Bokar Tov, we are studying Sefer Shofetim, and we are on the third chapter. And so far, the whole book has been introduction. Um, I'm not going to repeat the summaries for that. You can go to the beginning of the previous days. But yesterday, we learned about the cycle of the Jewish people and how they would sin, and then God would punish them by oppressing them through the enemies, through their neighbors. And then they would cry out to God and God would send a shofet. You asked, what is a shofet? Isn't a shofet a judge? No, not in the book of Shofetim. It actually has a more broad meaning. It means a local leader of an individual tribe who would... Uh, think about it like this. It's, it's anybody who's in a position of power could be called a shofet. Okay? And whether he's religious or secular... You'll see some of the leaders here are not religious at all. You know, meaning they're not religious leaders. They're purely just, just military leaders. And they're still called Shofetim. So, uh, God would send the Shofet and, and the people would be good for as long as the Shofet was around. But the second the Shofet was gone, they would slide back into their ways. And there's a reason for that. The reason why they would slide back into their ways is because the temptations were all around them. Okay. So the beginning of chapter 3 continues on that theme for a little bit. Um, at, the end of, at the end of chapter 2, we, God said that he's not, going to, he's not going to get rid of the nations that are around us to test us, to see if we will keep the word of God. And now the beginning of chapter 3 goes through the nations that God left over. First pasuk of chapter 3 is, and these are the nations that God left over to test with them Israel. The ones who did not know of the battles of Canaan. What is it referring to there? The Yoshua's wars. Yeah, exactly, Yoshua's wars. These are the nations that God left over to test Israel. Which generation of Israelites was he testing? The generation that did not know the wars of Yoshua. Pasuk Bet. Here, open this. I want you to translate this. It's very, it's very, um, it's it's going it's going to be a, a topic of discussion. This pasuk, I'll translate it for you literally. Also, we're on third chapter pasuk bet. Just so that the generations of the children of Israel should know and that they should learn battle or warfare. For beforehand, they have not known. They had not known. So this, you said before, the timeline is going to be a little off. It's going to be Yoshua's difficult. Yoshua's story was fourteen years. This is not a generation. It's literally it happened last week. Right, but the opening ago. of Shofetim says, "And Yoshua died, and his whole generation died." So let's assume. So there was a gap. Another twenty plus thirty plus years until that generation passed away. I see. Okay. And we're starting after that point. Okay. Okay. Uh, so the second pasuk is an interesting one. Because what was the reason that we were, that the goyim were left around us? Well, first, the first reason why the goyim were left around us were because we were lazy. Yeah. Now, the second reason was for God to test, to see if we were really committed. Because one of the reasons, by the way, one of the reasons we left the goyim was not only because we were scared of, of the military victory, but was because we didn't see the danger in fraternizing with them. Kind of like what we do today. 
Mm-hmm. You know, we, we hang, we go to the same universities and hang around the nations of the world, not seeing the danger in the potential for assimilation. So then when we do that, what does God turn around and do? Well, he tests us to see, are you really, let's see, are you really not going to assimilate? And that's really the test. And we typically fail, both today and in times of the Shofetim. And then, but there seems to be another reason. So read the translation for the second verse. For the thing? Yeah. Um, only so that the generations of the children of Israel would know to teach them warfare, but those who preceded them did not need to know. So it seems to be like a, like a secondary reason for why the Goyim were left. And that was because soft. the Jewish people were getting soft. In times of Yoshua, the wars were a little bit easier. They didn't need as much military strength. But as God's presence becomes less manifest, they're going to need to learn actual warfare. Right? So that seems to be another reason why he left the Goyim, to make sure Am Israel kept and remained strong. Or learned warfare more generally. Okay, Puzzle Gimel. The nations that remained were Chameshet Sarnef Elishtim, Vechola Kenani, Vatsidoni, Vachivi, Yoshev Hara Levanon, Mehar Baal Hermon, Adlevo Hamad. The five, what is Sarnef? The leaders of the Pilishtim? It says governors. Governors, governors of the Pilishtim, and all the Canaanites, and the Tsidonites, and the Chivites who were in the Lebanon mountains. From the Khermon mountain until Levochamat. Okay? These are the territory was that in, do we know? Levochamat. It just said it's from here to there. So more, it seems like the, I don't know exactly, but, but the general rule is that the Jewish people were more in the center of Israel and the coast from Gaza up to Haifa was the, the enemy. Okay, so just imagine we are in the center and they're kind of north and west on the coast and they're surrounding us. And, and, and one of the reasons is because the Pilishtim were actually not native. The Pilishtim who are going to be like our biggest problem going forward, they weren't native to Israel. They were actually like, a, they were from another island. I think they're from the island of Crete. Mm-hmm. And they were, they sailed and, and came on the shores of Israel and then did battle once they landed. So once they docked. So there, it was, uh, whatever, that's just some Pilishi history. Okay. So these were the nations that were left over. Israel, they were left over to test with them, to test Israel. To see if they would keep the mitzvot of God, that God, that their fathers were, that he commanded, that God commanded their fathers in the hands of Moshe, via Moshe, their forefathers. And the Jewish people dwelt amongst the Canaanites, the Chittites, the Amorites, the Prezites, the Chivites, and the Yivusites. And they took their daughters for them for wives. And they gave their daughters to the sons of these Canaanites. And after intermarrying, they then worshipped their gods. So that's not good. That seems to... Uh, that's also... By the way, that pasuk is borrowed from the Torah when it says... When it warns us in Sefer Devarim and other places in the Torah about the potential for assimilation through the nations of, of Canaan or the potential of being influenced from the nations of Canaan, it says 
be wary lest you give your daughters to them and you take their daughters for yourself and you, you marry. And the ultimate, uh, once assimilation comes, the, the, next, the next phase after intermarriage is, is assimilating the, religious, the religion and the, and the syncretism. Syncretism is whenever they would worship other gods alongside God. Okay? And, and that's what they were doing. So they started serving... Uh, they started worshipping the gods of the Canaanite nations through this intermarriage, which is, um, which really makes this like the most modern book because like if you look before World War II and before the Holocaust, mm-hmm. the, the Berlin was the center of the reform movement, you know. Not to say that we understand the Holocaust, I'm saying the, the theme that we recurrently see throughout Jewish history is that when the Jewish people get a little bit too comfortable and they decide that they could intermarry, the goyim are the ones that typically remind them that, no, we're, we don't consider you to be the same. And that seems, seems to be happening here because on the one hand, they're intermarrying and things are going well in terms of their interactions with the goyim. But then starting from the next pasuk, these same goyim who we're intermarrying with are now going to become our enemies, military enemies. So they're kind of going to remind us of our Jewishness. Okay? Pasuk Zayn. The Jewish people did what was evil in the eyes of God and they forgot God, their Hashem, their God. And they worshipped the Be'alim and the Asherot. They worshipped Ba'al was like the main God of the Canaanites. It was like nature worship kind of. It was the God of the weather. And then the Asherot was like a kind of tree that was... Uh, Probably represented some kind of fertility or something, because all their gods represent fertility. Okay, God got angry at Israel and he sells them into the hands of Kushan Rishatim. Uh, Rishatim was probably a name we gave to the guy, because Rishatim means double Rasha. So Kushan, the double Rasha. Melech Aram Naharaim, who was the king of Aram Naharaim, which was very far east. That's where Abraham is from. So it's somewhere in like ancient Mesopotamia. Okay? The children of Israel served Kushan Rishatayim for eight years. They cried out to God. And God brought a savior to Bnei Israel and he saved them. And who was this savior? Otniel ben Kenaz, Otniel, son of Kenaz, the half brother of Kalev who was younger than him. He's also the man who conquered Devir and won Kalev's daughter, Aksa, as a, as a Kiryat Sefer. Kiryat Sefer. Not Devir. Who's Devir? Um, Kiryat Sefer. Okay, whatever. Yeah, but he, he conquered Kiryat Sefer and he, was a, he, he thereby won Aksa as a wife. Aksa was the daughter of Caleb. Okay. And he had the Spirit of God upon him. And he judged Israel. And he went out to war. And he went out to war. He went out to war, Hashem delivered... No, I know the translation. I mean, you could, you could translate it, um, but... And his hand dominated Kushan Rishatayim. 
yeah, his hand dominated Kushan Risha time. So, so God bring, the Spirit of God rests upon Othniel. He finds the strength to go dominate Kushan Risha time. And the land became quiet for 40 years and Othniel then died. So Othniel... Are we assuming this is in the land of Yehuda? Because you made it seem like each tribe will gain its leader and it's separate. And yeah, it's a little bit disjointed. It's not... <coughs> Excuse me. Um, it could be that this is mostly happening within Yehuda. It says, so, so one of the things that, I was reading about this last night a little bit, one of the things that the Navi, that the Navi or Shofetim is going to do, is going to blur the lines between the tribal divisions and Israel as a whole. So let's say Kushan Rishatai maybe just took over Yehuda, let's say, or was a thorn in the side of Yehuda. The Navi won't necessarily tell us that. It's going to say, and the Jewish people sinned. Yeah. And he came and he conquered the Jewish people. Now, could it be that uh, uh, Dan in the north was unaffected by this? Very likely it could be. Okay. But will the Navi tell us that? No. It's, it's going to blur the lines. Okay? But, but what, what, what we... My, my and, and the reason is, for that is because we're all united. Meaning when, when most of Amisrael is conquered, it means Amisrael is conquered. And when B'day Israel sin, even if it's only six tribes out of, out of twelve... It's going to say Bnei Yisrael sinned because Bnei Yisrael are sinning. So it's not so important to the Navi to make clear uh, it, It's important because let's say this was like Zebulun. They were getting very out of line. They sent somebody that we know is from Yehuda. Like, hey, go fix that. They're going to listen to somebody out of their tribe. Like, hey, who are you? Don't judge us. So you're saying the fact that they sent that Othniel comes to the... we know he's from Yehuda. Right. means that this is probably a local Yehuda thing. And he also said he went from... Like very good Shofet team to like. It's yeah, so if you look, the first Shofet is Otnia Ben Kenaz, who's we know he's who is righteous. He was a carryover from the generation of Yoshua. Mm. You know, it's not even like it's not even removed from that generation. He, he was there. He was at the generation that conquered the land. So that's like there won't be any any f- flaws in the performance of Otniel because he's really carryover of that last great generation. Um, but. And also one more thing, because this is like the first one, and and Othniel is the, from the the previous generation. He's like the great leader. It could be that he was leader of all of Israel. Meaning, as we get further along, you will see the divisions between, especially that saying like the Song of Devorah. Okay. It's it's coming up in like the fifth chapter. She her whole thing is going to be she's going to uh, criticize the tribes who didn't come to her support. And praise the tribes who came to her support. So you'll clearly see the tribal divisions there. Okay. Here we won't see it as, as clearly. Okay, We're, It's early on and okay. the Navi isn't, isn't going to be so helpful in that. Okay. The Jewish people continued doing what was bad in the eyes of God. And God strengthened Eglon, the king of Moab, on Israel. For they had done what was evil in God's in the eyes of God. And he gathered other nations with him, Amon and Amalek. When he struck Israel, and he conquered the city of Timarim. 
What was what was the city of Timarim? It was. This is one of the places that they got during Yoshua's life. It was. This is the place that they got. Well, according to the midrash, it's referring to Yericho. Yericho is called Ira Timarim. We saw it when it said, "Yes, exactly." How do you remember that? We said it when Yitro's kids left this Ira Timarim to go settle with Yehuda. Okay. So that's how we know this Ira Timarim. This is, that's what we know them from before. From before. Mm-hmm. So this guy, Eglon, the king of Moab, with his friends from Ammon and Amalek, they go and they strike Israel, and they conquer the city, this Ira Timarim city. Okay? And they were subjugated and served Eglon, the king of Moab, for 18 years. Um, my voice is completely gone, so I'm going to stop there. And... Tomorrow, the Jews are going to start to cry out. And we're going to see the Savior who saves them from this king, Eglon of Moab. Baruch Adonai Amen, amen, amen.